Good evening. We're being advised to avoid all but essential travel, social contact and going to work in a bid to delay the spread of coronavirus. Prime Minister announced the latest measures in the first of what will now be daily press conferences from number 10. It comes as the number of cases here reaches 124 and the first death was confirmed. A lot can happen in a week and the events of the past few days have shown just how severely coronavirus could affect life here. At a briefing on Friday, Health Minister Von Gething warned that in a worst-case scenario, up to 25,000 people could die in Wales. And today came confirmation of the first. It's the first tragedy we've had on this scale in Wales and it underscores the importance of the challenge that we face in Wales and across the rest of the UK and indeed the wider world. It also, for me, reinforces the need to make choices based on evidence to try to save as many lives as possible. There is no single easy answer. The choices we're out to discuss now, the choices that I'll be discussing in our National Assembly for Wales tomorrow will all be based on the evidence of how to make the very biggest difference. But unfortunately, we expect more lives to be lost in the coming weeks and months ahead. Today, the Health Minister was in London for the latest COBRA meeting, while the First Minister gave an update here. Within uh, the week, we will be identifying a further subgroup of people who are particularly vulnerable. Uh, these are people who have immune systems which for one reason or another are particularly compromised and therefore who are particularly vulnerable to the more acute uh, episodes of coronavirus. And he was asked whether or not more of us should be tested. Uh, coronavirus is out there in the population. We are beyond the point of testing and tracing uh, contacts and therefore the, the advice that we firmly had repeated again uh, today that in doing the right thing at the right time mass testing of people is not the right thing at this point uh, in time and doesn't form part of the repertoire. Meanwhile the assembly has effectively closed its doors to the public apart from those observing assembly business. That business will become even more important next week when AMs will be asked to agree new emergency laws that will introduce even more unprecedented actions. And earlier I spoke to Dr. Meyer Hopkin, co-chair of the Royal College of GPs via Skype about the impact that this is having on frontline services. This is causing a great increase to their workload at a time when we've got a, um, a deficit of GPs in Wales anyway. So it's putting a lot of pressure on GPs during the daytime and the GP out of hours services. Do you have enough support? We, we never have enough support. Um, we, we could always do with more support to provide an excellent service for our patients, but uh, we're doing our best under very difficult circumstances. The whole health service is pulling out all its stops and doing as much as it can to support as many people as it can. What did you make of the latest advice, both from the UK government and the Welsh government, and not just the quality of the, the advice, but the, the way it was communicated? I think it was quite clear, the communication, but it came with very little notice. Um, it didn't give very much notice for people to be prepared that they might have to stay at home for a long period of time. And uh, things have been cancelled at very short notice with things like pubs and theatres being closed from tonight. 
There was a lot of talk, and there has been uh, up to now, but particularly uh, in the advice that was released um, this evening um, about underlying health conditions and the people with underlying health conditions uh, need to take specific actions. It's not always clear what those underlying conditions are. Can you shed any light on that? Yes, the main conditions are heart conditions, diabetes, respiratory conditions, and anybody whose immune system is compromised, either because of their health condition or because of medication that they're taking. So, for example, for psoriasis or some arthritis treatments and patients who are being treated for cancers. It's interesting you mentioned immune systems. The First Minister said that um, people who, with immune systems which are compromised will be identified and individually contacted to give advice. Um, how would that happen? I imagine GPs would, would have to be involved in that work, wouldn't they? I would imagine so. It may be that some of the hospital clinics will contact their patients, but not everybody will be under the care of a hospital clinic. Um, and it's the GPs that hold all this information. And it's going to be very difficult for them to find time to speak to every individual patient when they're dealing with a number uh, high number of calls that are coming through from the public already. So a lot of pressure on GPs. Uh, more support needed. Is that amongst the next steps as far as you see it? I'm always looking for more support for our GPs. Dr. Hopkin, thank you very much for talking to us. Thank you. Challenges for GPs, challenges for businesses too. I'm joined now by Amy Bainton from the Federation of Small Businesses. You're very welcome uh, to Sharpend. Wales has a uh, higher proportion of small businesses than, than anywhere else. Uh, are your members worried? Yes, absolutely. We've had a number of calls from our members and businesses across Wales today who are considerably and increasingly distressed and concerned about what the next few weeks and months can mean for their business. We've heard numerous examples of how this is already starting to have a really serious impact and that's why what comes next in terms of support is going to be so important. Distress, that's a very strong word to use. It is, but it's a very serious situation. You know, we've heard from businesses who are already facing the prospect of laying off staff and losing, you know, we've heard up to 50% of their business because of the action that you know we've got no choice but to take as a society to make the right choices here and it's it is having a really serious impact on the small businesses that we as a welsh economy completely rely on what sort of support are they looking for from governments so in the first instance we're looking for the support from welsh government to be equal to that that the uk government announced in the budget last week so we saw uh, a lot of measures there that businesses in england have been given a relative degree of certainty on in that they know what will happen with their business rates in the coming weeks. Some businesses will be eligible for a cash grant. There are things there that businesses know that they're going to be able to access in the very short term and we're but, still waiting for that clarity. because it's devolved, yeah. um, the Welsh Government has, well you say, mm. they haven't given you that clarity yet. Yeah, so we've been talking to Welsh Government since, since the budget was announced late last week. We wrote to the First Minister on Thursday and emphasised the need for urgency here and we made clear our expectation that businesses yet? in Wales... Uh, we had a reply late on Thursday to say that Welsh Government would be applying the same level of support. What we've not had is the detail and that's so important because businesses really need to know what their next steps are. Do you fear that some businesses will go to the wall during this? Some businesses are really concerned about their future. It's a really, really difficult time. We're hoping that what will be a very temporary uh, set of events and the support that can be made available by Welsh Government and by UK Government in some cases will help those businesses through. But 
there's no doubting that some businesses are very concerned and that's why we need to see this very quick response from Welsh Government. And I suppose added to all that, there's still a level of uncertainty about Brexit. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, it's been a very uncertain time. We've, you know, we can also mention the flooding that has caused real devastation to some businesses who might just about be looking to get back on their feet and could be faced with issues related to coronavirus. So a very clear message to the UK and Welsh Government then from businesses. Yes, very much so. They need to know that the certainty and the support is there and they need to hear from them very, very quickly. Thank you very much, uh, Amy Bainton. Thank you very much for joining us on Sharp End tonight. Well, as coronavirus becomes the focus of all our public services, it's easy to forget that it's only been a month since Storm Dennis devastated communities, as we were just mentioning, particularly those in the valleys. At the centre of the efforts was the leader of Run the Cunnantarve Council, Andrew Morgan, who also speaks for councils across Wales in his uh, role leading the Welsh Local Government Association. I've been taking him back to the chaos and the challenges of a month ago and asking him if the problems have been solved even as a new crisis begins. It's hard to believe this was only a few weeks ago. When parts of Wales were hit by two storms in a row, the floodwaters caused massive disruption, damage and distress. In Pontypridd, the town centre itself was underwater. Even a month on, Andrew Morgan hasn't shaken off that experience. Horrendous. It's something I've never seen. Um, certainly in my time being a councillor, or even before that working for the local authority, the scale of this was something we haven't experienced before and across the county. I suppose there's businesses, people that you know. Yes, there's a number of stores here which I know the owners of and the impact on them has been quite devastating. Um, you know, they've put many, many years into their business. They really have tried to build things up through a tough time of recession and the impact of this on top now is the last thing they wanted. And what did you learn about the resilience of communities and people in this area? When you see the impact on individuals, I know I've been into people's businesses people's homes covered in mud, everything wrecked and they've just been so grateful to have what limited support we've been able to give them but also about how other people have rallied round so you're in the Pont de other businesses have been helping them, the, the bid, the Pont de bid, the town council, it's all been brought together and they've tried to provide as much support as they can with our staff and that's the same across the county. We've stopped outside one of Pont de most famous businesses and one which was badly hit by the floods. One prince came to check up on another when Prince Charles came to town. Today the owner shows Andrew Morgan how the repair work is getting on, before we sit down to a cup of old-fashioned frothy coffee. The vast majority of services were simply overwhelmed, so the scale of this, I think NRW was overwhelmed, us as a local authority were in terms of, you know, we took 16, almost 1,700 calls for help that night. Um, we fivefold increased the number of staff in our call centre, tripled the number of highway crews, but even the emergency services, you know, in the brief I've had for them, just so much. And you have to ask, well, you did during the crisis and you've been asking since, whether the flood defences are the right ones, whether the systems are the correct ones. You'll be looking at all that now, I suppose. Yeah, we, I'm clear, we can't just repair what we've got. We've got a plan for the future. So that does mean culverts, river defences. We need to look at what's going to happen in the next 5, 10, 25, 50 years' time. And that is a conversation we're having now with Welsh Government and NRW. Because I think if we just simply repay and put back what's there now, what's to say this doesn't happen again? Did the Welsh Government help or hinder? Generally, I have to say they helped. Um, I have to say I'm grateful to ministers to, who give me personal support. And the, it was the budget um, recently. Did the UK Government announce enough resources as far as you're concerned? 
Well, the additional capital that's coming to Wales, clearly they have to decide where that gets spent, but that's a boost. But in terms of actually the support to deal with the infrastructure, so we're on the Cantaf loan, our infrastructure in terms of bridges and structures, we have £44 million worth of damage. We estimate that's going to increase up to £60 million. So hopefully the discussions with UK government, they seem positive, but until there's money flowing on the M4 to us, I just don't know. So 60 million you need, uh, at least I imagine. Potentially 60 million, you... yeah, potentially 60 million in this county alone. That's not the emergency response, that's running into millions, but that's 60 million just to replace and repair bridges, culvert, river walls, highways, which have been wrecked. And now coronavirus. Um, how is that over? I mean, it's overwhelming everything, I imagine. Is that overwhelming this? How you, how you imagine the aftermath of the floods? We're not over the floods yet. No, there is still significant impact in communities. But unfortunately, I have to say, coronavirus is now the top issue. And as the days and weeks go by, I'd imagine it will probably become our only issue. Uh, we are acutely aware of the impact this could have on council services, social care, residential homes. So we are doing everything possible now, and there are plans across the 22 authorities, not just here in Rondegan Taff, to really beef up our support. And we are closely working through local resilient forums and the emergency planning with the health boards, uh, with Public Health Wales and the other emergency services. Could it stop all the work that you're doing to try to help the, the communities that are hit by floods? Potentially. We have to prepare for supporting key services, which will be critical if the coronavirus takes hold. But also, we have to be mindful that out of our staff, there's probably going to be a significant portion of our staff could get infected and actually be off work as well. It's a difficult time. I've been council leader for five years. I would say the last three months has been by far the most challenging, even through all austerity. And now being WLJ leader, trying to help coordinate with the 22 authorities, with Welsh Government, it is taking its toll. Are you, are you still glad to be council leader? I joked on the weekend with the lead of the opposition when I rang the leader of the opposition to give him a briefing. I did joke if you want to swap places. Um, but the one thing I would say is the opposition groups in my own authority have given their full support. And I think that at this point it is a time not for politics. It's just a time of making sure we try and make the right decisions. And that's something we can all drink to. Now, when's the last time that you caught a bus? Well, the way bus services work here could be about to change. Under a bill introduced by the Welsh Government today, councils could be given the uh, power to franchise routes or run their own bus services. It's all in a bid to improve bus route coverage, passenger experience and reverse what the Transport Minister describes as the abject failure of deregulation. Mike Griffiths has been taking a look. The number 65 bus running from Monmouth to Chepstow. When the route faced closure, the community spoke out to save it. Well, as you go along the route, you'll see a lot of the villages are quite far out of Monmouth and obviously services have been cut from the villages. You have to get into town. Many people are elderly who use the bus, but there are an awful lot of youngsters also, as you'll see on the bus, because it gives them their independence. So it fights the isolation uh, problem. And we've encouraged passengers to use the bus, use it for different ways, like going to the pub for lunch, coming in, not bringing your car into town. We'd only been here a couple of months um, when my husband became ill and wasn't able to drive for nearly a year. So it, it was a lifeline for us then. It was the only way that he could get out independently. It's about people seeing the bus as a community asset in the same way people see the pub. Welsh councils currently share a pot of money to subsidise certain services. 
we do need more investment by Welsh Government and you know the grant that is in place hasn't increased since 2012. It's still 25 million for the whole of Wales and it used to be 33 million. So well, That's a consequence of, of UK government. It's a Conservative Council. These are Conservative government decisions, aren't they, that, that have meant less money for you ultimately? Well, um, transport is a devolved issue and certainly recently Welsh Government have received many millions of pounds. The Welsh Government says many less profitable routes have lost services. It now wants councils to have more chances to run their own and for operators to bid against each other. People will see this and say bus operators opposed to this because this means the end of just choosing the profitable routes and letting the other ones go and cutting services. Well, I mean, we've seen loads of bus companies in Wales go under because they just don't make the money these days. So I think it's, it's a fallacy to say that, that, that bus operators are, are, are making profit. I remember, if you go back to the, to, to the days when re buses were regulated, they were run mainly by, by state-owned monopolies and local authorities. Uh, here in Pontypridd, where we are now, there were two buses an hour to Cardiff. Now there are eight buses an hour. The new law won't force councils to do more. There also won't be any additional money for them or private operators. They'll be making money by making bus services more attractive for people to use. And the way that you do that is making sure that you offer reliable services that are punctual, that get people to their destinations on time. And that means that we have to invest in key corridors. It also need, means that we need to uh, intervene in more rural areas where there isn't competition often. This proposal is just one step, but campaigners hope before long the difference will be widely felt. Well, joining me now to discuss this a bit more are Labour's Hevin David, who sits on the Assembly's Economy, Infrastructure and Skills Committee, and David Beer from Transport Focus Wales. You're both very welcome. David Beer, will this move help or not? Well, anything that um, provides support for improving um, services for passengers has got to be good. I think the provision of the toolkit is only the first step though. The hard work will come when the authorities and the operators um, are looking to actually deliver those improvements for passengers. And, so, I oh, carry on. and I think that that means that passengers' priorities have got to be at the heart of it so that they're delivering what passengers want. OK, I'll ask you a bit more about that in a moment. Sorry to interrupt you. Having David, I won't apologise for interrupting you. Um, uh, will this help or not? Uh, well, one of the problems I've got at the moment is if I want to see a bus service sustained, I've got to go to the likes of Stagecoach and, and, and beg them to keep a service running. Um, I've got to say I've got a good relationship with Stagecoach and they've been very, very good in retaining services. Uh, but it could be another operator wouldn't have that. Therefore, putting this particular tool of, of franchising and even operating their own services in the hands of local authorities would give me uh, more power to require services to be delivered for the residents Is I represent. It, aren't you just arguing there for more power to intervene uh, rather than actually take over and, well, and run services? You, you, the power to intervene and perhaps uh, plough some money into a particular service? As I understand it, the bill, and we've yet to see the detail of the bill, but the bill will contain the power for local authorities to actually run their own services and I remember the 1980s when Intervalley Link ran in the Rumney Valley it collapsed after deregulation so if there is the power for local authorities to run a single service I think it'll give us the power to deliver for what passengers want in the Philly constituency for do, example. Do passengers want to turn the clock back on uh, deregulation David Beer? 
Well, the evidence we have from research with those passengers says that what they want are services that run on time. Um, they want the reach of services, so the network to be in place um, for them to be able to connect with the journeys they want to make and for those to be uh, provided with value for money. So simple fares, um, easy to understand. And for young people as well, they want to know where to go for information about those services. Um, so when they're making a choice about how to travel, the bus is the attractive option. Hasn't, um, as um, John Pocket was making the point in, in, in uh, Mike's report there, hasn't competition actually improved the situation? Well, competition um, of itself is no bad thing, um, and it can serve to provide um, people with choice. But what we're increasingly finding is that that choice is disappearing, that people don't have services, um, and increasingly passengers don't necessarily have a voice. Okay. Can I say something about competition? What, what, happened, what I remember happening with competition when it came in was that there was a huge load of choice to start with, and then the, the private sector undercut the public sector, and the public sector had to withdraw, but and then the private sector withdrew services. But as services. we just heard, uh, it has settled down over the years, and where once there were two services, from Pontypridd now there are eight. I, I think it's settled down into a place where there's a huge patchy uh, gaps in services uh, and, and also quality bu better uh, quality buses uh, wi-fi and uh, more comfortable uh, well, and, and tickets perhaps undoubtedly so but what passengers really want is to get to the places they need to get to i i don't want to have to keep going cap in hand to private sector services to, to beg them to provide services I, I think the state should be controlling some of this david beer you mentioned the passenger's voice i know in your evidence um uh, on the on this bill you were concerned that the passenger's voice might not be heard uh, are you reassured as this bill nears publication I think the um, proof is going to be in how these are delivered, but also how these services are measured, because it's one thing to provide the toolkit, it's another thing to actually um, deliver the improvement that passengers want, so that has to be measured. Um, in Wales, the, um, the measurement of services hasn't been there on a robust basis, um, so the last time... Um, that satisfaction was measured was 2017, for example. We know then that um, only six out of ten people were satisfied with value for money. And to know whether that's improving or not, you've got to keep measuring it. But also, you, sorry, also you have to um, talk to people who don't use services mm. and ask them about okay. the barriers. And, and improvement is crucial, isn't it, Heaven, yeah. David? Because if we, you want people to get off the M4 and yeah. the A55, then you've got to um, be able to give them better public transport. Yeah, and I think if you see this law to control bus services as the solution, it isn't. It is part of a wider picture of measures that need to be introduced to connect into rail services, to look at issues like congestion, as you've mentioned. And incidentally, I think if you're going to start dealing with things like congestion charges, you can't do that in one local authority. You've got to do it regionally. Well it's got to be a partnership approach, which is at the heart of this bill is okay. partnership, work, people working together. OK. Uh, well, we've started to solve the issues. I, I suspect we'll see more detail, but thank you very much for beginning to discuss that, both of you. Um, that is it for this week. We'll be back next Monday, fingers crossed. Until then, thanks to my guests. Uh, thank you for joining us. And until next week, good night.